What's up, everyone? This is Sam with Pursuit. It's been a minute since uh, we've done a podcast like this. Um, I, I'd like to blame it on the, the pandemic, but we were just doing a lot of different things. But we're finally back, and I'm so honored and excited to have our guest with us today for this episode. He's an amazing brother, an amazing friend, a new friend of mine, um, but I'm so blessed by his life, his character, his message, um, just what him and his wife are believing and contending for. Uh, but without further ado, he'll share more. Uh, let me introduce my brother, Luke Lefevre. What's up, Luke? How's it going? What's up, Sam? It's so good to be with you, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. You're uh, tuning in from Nashville, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Zoom. Uh, we're still using it <laughs> in 2021 uh, to do this, but... Um, yeah, Luke, if you can just kind of, I guess, share a little bit about yourself, uh, just in case people want, don't know who you are, but uh, just to, yeah. to give a snapshot of who you are and, and what you do, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, like Sam was just saying, I live in live in Nashville, Tennessee uh, with my wife, Rebecca. Um, I'm uh, 24 years old. She's 25. We um, have a baby coming on the way. We Come just uh, found out a few months ago. Um and we've been married for uh, coming up on just a year here in uh, in October, so <laughs> pretty pretty quick turnaround on the baby coming on the way. So we're super excited about that, and um, we've been really focused on just college ministry really for the past several years, and been really um, just where the Lord has had us focused is just in reaching our generation and and our age group with the gospel, with seeing our generation. Um, set on fire and, and hungry for a move of God in our day and just believing that we could see uh, our nation turn to God in our lifetime. And uh, really it's been a lot of focus on that, you know, high school through college age group. And we've just seen the Lord do some really incredible things over the past several years, specifically here in Nashville. And um, really in this upcoming season, I feel like the Lord's really got us focusing our sights on the nation um, and really calling a generation into um, just his heart for, for what he wants to do um, in the coming days. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit about, about me. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I mean, I'll share this about Luke to everyone listening. I think um, one of the things I respect so much about you, bro, is knowing that you are bivocational mm-hmm. and uh, I know that life and uh, to see you do both, bro. I, I just want to say, in front of all our 10 listeners <laughs> that, that man, that's so much respect and props because, you know, I know what it takes to, to navigate both and do yeah. well, both and uh, props to you, bro. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I, I love that. Uh, that's one of the things I love about you as well. Cause I feel like we can relate on that level, but also, you know, it's, I think so many people wait to go after what God's called them to do until, um, until they just like, Oh, I'm in the perfect scenario. I'm the perfect situation. Like somebody offers me a job at this big ministry or, um, you, you know, whatever the scenario might look like in your mind. But I think God honors the, the going after the dream he's put in your heart with what you've got, you know, and it's like, and he multiplies that. And, um, you know, yeah, if there are people listening as well, it's like, you're like, man, I'm, I'm working full time. Like, and I feel like I've got this dream from the Lord. I, I would just so encourage people don't, wait to step out into that. Um, but cause I've just seen, it's like when we, it's like the loaves and the fishes, right? It's like mm. this, when we do that with our time with God, where I'm like, God, I feel like you've given me this very large dream in my heart 
and I've got nights and weekends mm-hmm. and um, that's what I can give you. And God knows that. And so, you know, I've caught myself so many times being like, God, like, why don't you get me out of this job and get me into ministry? And then I'll catch myself and be like, Lord, you don't ask me to do anything uh, that, you know, with your help, I can't do. And, mm. um, and if, if I'm telling God I need more time, um, then I'm assuming he, I know something he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? good. And I'm like, okay, if, uh, if, if God knows, he knows the exact situation I'm in and he asked me to do this, he must think that I'm the right person for the job. And he must know that, uh, with, with his help and with the time that I have, it's possible as mm. he multiplies it. And so I'm like, Lord, I'm going to give you what I've got and just trust you to multiply. And he's been so faithful to do that. I'm sure you've seen that over and over of like, just when we give God what we've got, he's faithful sure. to multiply it. But no, that's so good, bro. I, I think, it's just intentionally living in gaps that only God can fill. Mm-hmm. And I feel like being in a, in this situation allows me to live in that reality. You know, it kind of stretches me and I'm sure the same with you. Um, you just mentioned how you're going after the dreams of your heart. And um, I feel like there's a very unique message that you're carrying, bro. And, and I would love for you yeah. to share on that um, yeah. and, and how that is unfolding with, with yeah. a call for a nation. If you could just, I guess, go with that, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I mentioned, like my wife and I had been really, um, we've been doing college ministry here in Nashville for the past several years. And in like May of 2020, when kind of everything started to shut down, um, we had a bunch of events planned in the city for that year. And we had like a conference coming up. We had a bunch of things and um, it ended up, you know, we had to cancel all of those uh, things that were upcoming and, and, uh, we had just gotten engaged at that point too. And I, I was in, uh, just a time of prayer, just seeking the Lord, just going, God, what are you asking me to do? And, um, I felt like I just heard so clearly from the Lord that he said, I want you to call the young people of America to consecration. And, you know, I had studied that word pretty in depthly a couple of years before, but I'm like, Lord, like, I've had so many people say recently, they're like, wow, like you don't hear people talk about consecration very much. And I'm like, thanks for the encouragement. Yeah, cool. They're <laughs> like, I had somebody there like, it's not like the the cool, like sexy conference thing yeah. to do. And I'm like, no, it's not. But, you know, I was just in that time of prayer and I just felt like the Lord was like, Luke, this is what I want you to call a generation into. He's like, I've, I felt like I heard him say, I've asked you to do things on a city level and a statewide level, but I'm calling you to do something on a national scale. Wow. And I want you to called the young people of America to this. And so I, I knew from just in that moment when he spoke that I, I knew that called the consecration contained essentially two things. Cause there's two words in the old Testament used for the word for that we translate consecrate. And the first means to set apart something for solely for holy purposes. Like when the priests are consecrated unto God and they're set apart solely to minister unto God to where it, it, in, tales this radical call to holiness to say, I will live my life in a different kind of way. It almost contains just that, that Nazarite type of, mm. of life in it. And, you know, it's so interesting that word for consecrate, the noun form of that verb is the word that we translate Nazarite. Wow. So like this Nazarite is someone essentially who has, they're the human embodiment of consecration of like, my life is given over to God, whatever the cost. And, um, 
And, and so part of that whole concept as well is it's like, I love that in the old Testament and Nazarite wasn't somebody um, that was born into the priestly line. So you had the Levites. And then if there were, there were people who essentially that they had the option to say, I want my life to be given over to God in a way that's beyond what's common. Um, they could take that Nazarite vow and say, I'm giving my life fully over to the Lord. And so I knew that there was that facet, that radical call to holiness. And then the second part was there's a, a word that we translate consecrate in the Old Testament, and it means to fill the hand, like as with a sword for war. Mm, wow. And, and I felt like the Lord was saying, this call is for two things. He's like, I want you to call a generation into radical holiness and to step out of compromise. And, uh, and secondly, he's like, I want you to uh, call a generation to believe that, that we could see our nation turn back to God in our lifetime. And so, um, in that, that whole piece, I was just like, okay, God, like, this is the word that you're saying, what am I supposed to do with that? And, and as I prayed, I heard two cities, I heard Dallas, Texas and Washington, DC. And, um, and I kept thinking like, Lord, why those cities? Like I live in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Like I, we do everything in Nashville. Like I can get venues here. Like we have so many church connections here. Why would I not just do it here? And, um, and I was like, and those two cities is, do I, we have them at the same time in those cities? Like, are they simultaneous? Like, what is this? And so I felt like he, he just said, I want you to do, he goes, they won't be simultaneous. They'll be subsequent. He said, you want, I want yeah. you to do Dallas first and DC will follow. And Dallas will be a launching point for what follows in Washington, DC. And, um, around that time, a couple months before that, my friend, uh, Daniel McLeod and I had spoken at this conference, um, called if gathering, which is it's really crazy story behind all of that. But we had shared about just some of the things that the Lord was doing here in Nashville at the conference. And it's one, it's like the largest women's conference <laughs> in the country. We were the only two guys speaking at this conference that year. And, um, the person who leads that ministry, her name's Jenny Allen. And, um, and I felt like the Lord told me, he's like, I want you to reach out and tell Jenny about this idea and just tell her about it and say, would you pray? And I'm like, Lord, like I met Jenny, like one time while I was speaking at the conference, like, I don't even know her that well. Um, but okay. So I reached, I gave her a call and I was like, Hey, like, this is what God's put on my heart to do. Would you just pray about this and pray about like potentially helping us with this? And she's like, absolutely. I'll pray. And so that was all in that like May, June of, of 2020 timeframe. And then the Lord was like, Luke, I want you to put this to the side for a little bit um, and just get through your season of engagement because we had just gotten engaged. And he's like, and I want you to get through the wedding because, you know, he knows I'm very like one track mind. So if I had been like, if I had been running with this vision, I probably would not have focused on that season the way that I needed to. And so, you know, we, you know, get to the wedding and, and we, uh, we're taking some time to pray my wife and I, the, the, about the week after, um, the wedding and we're spending time in prayer and just asking, we're like, what are you asking us to do this first year of our marriage? And felt like the Lord said, I'm releasing you to run after this consecrate, um, call that I've given you and uh, it's time to go for it. And so at that point I hadn't talked to Jenny Allen in probably three or four months at least. And I get up from that time of prayer. I go look at my phone and I had just gotten a text from Jenny and wow. she said, Hey, I've been thinking about you today, my friend, and this consecrate idea. And I think this is needed. And 
I was like, all right, I'm taking that as confirmation that it's time and we're going to run after this. And so um, that conference is coming up. It's still crazy that it's almost here, but it's coming up next month, October 15th and 16th in Dallas. And just the favor that we've had um, in Dallas has been, it's been miraculous where I'm like, Lord, Dallas makes no sense to me. Um, but when do, when do God's plans usually make sense to us? Right. That's I'm like, true. you have, you know, Gideon's 300, you have David, you know, the Lord saying, Hey, wait until you hear the sound of marching in the treetops. Uh-huh. Right. It's like Jericho. It's like, when does it ever make sense to us? It rarely does. But, um, you know, so like time after time with Dallas, it was like the Lord would speak to me. Hey, I want you to reach out to this person. I'm like one of my friends, um, her name's Bree Odom. Who's a part of this gathering and really been helping, uh, spearhead this with me. And I thought she was in Minneapolis cause that's where she's from. And I call her, I'm like, Hey, I feel like you're supposed to be a part of this. And she's like, that's amazing. She's like, I'm like, I would, she's like, I'm in, and I just moved to Dallas and I'm on staff at one of the largest churches in Dallas and that has the largest young adults group in the nation. Wow. And, um, and then my other friend, uh, Grant Skeldon, who you, you're, he's a mutual friend of ours. And I'd reached out to him because I thought he was in Dallas. He's like, oh, guess what? Like I'm moving to Nashville. And so he moves <laughs> to Nashville from Dallas. Um, we ended up getting through Grant connected with the president of a university in Dallas. And he goes, he's like, hey, if you want to have the event at our university, I'll give you our entire like auditorium for wow. free. Like you can host the whole thing at the conference for free. And so we have like literally every piece of this, um, we haven't even had to raise funds for it because people have just given Um, like just us telling the story of it. And we haven't even had to ask and the Lord has just completely provided. And so it's just been a a miraculous story of just like the Lord providing thing after thing. And um, you know, just to kind of cap that whole story, I, I feel like what the Lord has been putting on my heart really in this season is, it's just these three stages. And I just keep sensing revival in the church, awakening in America, the gospel to the ends of the earth. Wow. And I think if we can see revival in the church, you know, I just get this sense there needs to be this radical call of of this John the Baptist call of preparing the way for the Lord, right? Where it says that one of the, the words over John the Baptist's life was that he would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And I think there's a need in America with our church culture of like turning many of the people of God in quotes, like actually to the Lord, their God to rid the, to rid our generation from compromise and to go into this, this place of radical devotion to Jesus. And if we can see that it will spill over into the nation as a whole to where we could see an awakening and again, again. And I, I still believe that America has the greatest potential of any nation on the earth to still get people outside the, the four walls of their country mm. to, and the resources to get us to the ends of the earth at this point in time. And, you know, if we can see that, that type of revival in the church that would spill over into awakening in the nation, I believe that from America, there still has the potential to see the gospel get to the ends of the earth in our day. And so that's what I'm believing for. And that's what I feel like is on the Lord's heart right Come now on. in this season. No, I love it, bro. I, I, I think, I mean, just hearing the story even more in depth, like I'm just so excited for, for what's to come and, and just this message that you are carrying from the Lord, you know, because no, no 24-year-old man or no millennial, no Gen Z person 
would want to live a life of consecration, especially when there's so many things that, that call to us, that fight for our attention, that, that fight for our allegiance. Um, but what would you say to somebody who says, you know what? Consecration is too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've tried yeah. before or yeah, maybe in youth group I did it, but it doesn't work for me. It's too hard. What, what would you say to someone like that? Yeah. You know, I was, I was talking uh, to, to someone about this the other day of where they're like, you know, when I hear the word consecration, like it scares me. Um, like, Cause for a lot of people, I think they grew up in a context where consecration was really this legalistic thing. Um, and to, from the outside, it can really look legalistic too. Um, but I, some, they're like, it, I remember one guy telling me when I was talking about consecrating the vision at a conference recently, and he goes, you know, I feel it scares me. He goes, because I feel like when I hear that word consecration, it means I have to lay down the dreams, um, that God's placed in my heart specifically. Cause I think there were a lot of people in context where that, that consecration meant, Hey, you have to be a pastor. Like that is what you are called to be if you're going to be consecrated. And, um, that's, I don't think the call at all. I think the, you know, what the word says in Hebrews that it says to pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see God. And I think so many people, they have that fear of, of consecration because it's only something you should be afraid of if it's not coming out of a desire to see God. If it's coming out of a place of, I'm so hungry for more of God that there's nothing in my life. You know, even if it's just this, this place of I have tasted and seen of the goodness and the, pre- of the presence of Jesus, and there's nothing in my life that's worth compromising that intimacy, then that's when that desire for consecration becomes most fervent in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about this the other day and, you know, I just even thinking about like, Lord, what would, what do you want me to even just preach at consecrate? Like, what are you, what are you putting on my heart to, to say? And I just had this thought this week and I just think our, the amount of compromise we have in our generation above anything else simply speaks to the poverty of our love for Jesus. Wow. And I think it's, it's not about being a good Christian. It's not about being, you know, this is the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, this black and white of just like, do this, don't do that. The rules, the, that straight jacket, it's this place of going, you know, I, I have tasted of, of the presence of God and nothing else compares to that. And there's nothing that is worth compromising that in my life. And I think when we, when we find other things more precious than that closeness to Jesus, all it's doing is exposing the poverty of our love for him. Mm. And I, when I, I explain it a lot of times this way, there's this story that my parents tell of my sister growing up. I have an older sister and um, she was like, I think it was her first or second birthday. And, um, and so they were having this birthday party for her and she was, uh, uh, they had chocolate cake for the birthday party and she'd never had cake before. And so everybody's walking around with the cake, you know, and she's just super chill. Like she's, she doesn't know what's going on. And then finally somebody walks over and they give her like a taste of the piece of cake. And so she was at that stage, like, I don't know if your parents did this when you were little, but like they would teach a sign language of like, I want more or like, I'm all done or like just stuff like that when you're little. And so she, um, cause she couldn't talk yet. So she 
takes a bite of this cake and she starts doing every sign language thing she knows how because all she's trying to say is like mm-hmm. i want more of this stuff and um i remember there was this time where i was just like lord i'm so frustrated with the compromise in our generation like lord why and i remember he brought that story to mind and he mm-hmm. just said luke he said it's impossible to hunger for something you've never tasted wow and he's like what I want you to do is he's like, is you, you need to give a generation a taste of what it's like to be close to God. Because when, when you actually get a taste of what it's like to be near to Jesus, then all of the things that vie for our attention and our affection, it's like, they just fall away. It's, it's like the, the old hymn, you know, where it just says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, they grow strangely dim. And it's, it's that place of, I think if we could introduce a generation to um, like, we're not here to just sing songs. Like we're not here to just, um, just go to church. But it's like, if we actually know Jesus, then consecration while yes, there's a cost. um, The cost becomes really minuscule. It's like the story. And it's like the parable that Jesus tells of the, they said, He's like, what, to what shall I like in the kingdom of heaven? And he's like, it's like a treasure hidden in a field mm. that when a man found it with joy, he went and sold everything he had to obtain that field. And I think when we realize that the treasure that's in the field is, you know, if there was a billion dollars hidden out in a field mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, I, I would not hesitate to sell everything that I had to go buy that because I knew I'd be getting so much more in return. Yes, would it be a sacrifice for like, 20 minutes until I got the field. Sure. But, but um, I think what's on the other side is, is um, it's just so much greater that um, when we realize that that call to consecration becomes something that we're so willing to do. No, I, I love it, bro. I think I just think about how this past season, or I guess it's more than a season if it's been like two years almost of the pandemic where I think, people's faith or their love for Jesus has grown stagnant uh, Mm -hmm. through the pandemic, through quarantining, just through all the stuff that's happening in culture and politics and society, right? Where I guess when your love grows stagnant, the the magnetic draw of compromise just grows because Mm -hmm. it's easier. Um, And I guess it's the, I think we all know it, like anything that's easy isn't worth it, right? Like mm-hmm. it's worth it because yeah. it's hard because it is yeah. costly. And and I love it. I, you know, I know we're just in the middle of this podcast right now, but I would love for you to just even just pray right now in this moment for yeah. everyone who will listen just for that fresh encounter of mm-hmm. love or Jesus uh, for love for Jesus, experiencing yeah. the love of Jesus. If you could just pray just the next 30 seconds, 60 seconds yeah. for those who are listening. Yeah. Yes. Lord Jesus, I, I pray right now, Lord, I pray this for myself. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, with love for you. Father, would you stir our hearts or would you reveal, Lord Jesus, to us, Holy Spirit, in a, a clearer way than ever before, Lord, so that the Lord, even just as it says in Revelation, Lord, to remember the heights from which mm-hmm. we've fallen. Lord, remember the heights, Lord, and I, I pray that you would help us to remember the heights, Lord, from which we've fallen, Lord, in our love for Jesus. Or, Lord, maybe if we've never been there, Lord, give us a glimpse of the heights, yes. Lord, that we could um, 
that we want to to be at. And Holy Spirit, Lord, sometimes I know that place of going, I'm not hungry for God, and I don't even know how to get hungry for God. And so, Holy Spirit, I, I ask you, Lord, we can't hunger for Jesus unless you help us. Yeah. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir in our hearts greater hunger for Jesus than ever before. And Lord, bring us to that place of where everything else, Lord, grows dim. Lord, when we mm-hmm. set our eyes on you. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray also that you would break off right now, Lord, the... Um, Lord, the, even just the false idea or even just the myth that, oh, when I love Jesus, then I'll obey him. But Lord, I pray, I thank you that your word says in John that it says that he who has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Lord, I pray that we would respond in obedience, Lord, out of a place of love or even just desiring to love you more, a place of obedience, Lord, in that place of obeying the commands of Christ, Lord, there is a response of Jesus manifesting himself to us. And Lord, I pray that you would just break off that that place of going, oh, well, I have to wait to feel something before I respond in obedience. But Lord, that when we obey, Lord, you will manifest yourself to us by your Holy Spirit in a greater way. In Jesus' name. Amen. No, I love it, bro. Yeah, I, I just feel so stirred just hearing you and obviously the the life you live, you know, encourages me too. But there's even like you just prayed, you know, remembering the heights, you know, repent and do what you first did, you know. Yes. And I think like you said, oftentimes we think it's repent and feel what you yes. first felt. <laughs> That's so right? good, yes. But it's repent and do what you first did and Yes. And I think C.S. Lewis says, I'm I'm probably going to butcher the paraphrase even, but he says it when it comes to loving your neighbor, right? Mm. Like just act as if you love your neighbor. Mm. And before you know it, you find yourself actually loving your neighbor. Mm. And I I would just equate that similarly to the Lord. When you do what you first did, before you know it, like that love just starts swelling up again. Um, But I love it, bro. Yes. I love it, man. So good. How, how would you, you know, how do, how do you personally then, you know, keep your hunger for the Lord fresh? And this isn't meant to be a copy what Luke does type thing, but yeah. just, 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 just so that it's pre, uh, descriptive rather than prescriptive of, of how you personally keep your hunger fresh for the Lord. I'd love to hear yeah. that. I think a couple of things. I think um, one would be, I think like you just said of, you know, not thinking, okay, overanalyzing my feelings a lot. Cause that was one thing I used to do so often of mm-hmm. going, man, I don't feel love for Jesus. And it's freaking me out. I'm like, I, Lord, you know, just this desperation for a feeling. And, and there's almost a place of time where the Lord sort of withdrew some of those feelings from my heart because he was like, Luke, you're worshiping the feeling mm-hmm. more than you're worshiping me. And, um, I think one of those places of just going, okay, I love Jesus because I'm willing to do what he's asked me to do. And I'm willing to obey his word and I'm willing to seek him. And so I think that's one of those, those places where I try not to overanalyze the feelings too much, but what I'll say also in that is there's two really things that when I feel like my, my love and my fervor is growing cold, um, a couple of things that I'll do. And the first is I just meditate on it. And I, I latch onto the promise that, that God promises us in Jeremiah. He says, if 
you will seek me and you will find me if you seek for me with all of your heart and just going, okay, Lord, what does all of my heart look like? And if, and if I'm not seeking you with all of my heart, then I don't have a guarantee that I'll find you. And so going, okay, um, Lord, I'm going to seek you with all of my heart, whatever that looks like, um, in this season. And, um, latching onto that promise that, that he will reveal himself and I, I will find him if I will seek him with all my heart. And then the second thing is, um, fasting. Yeah. I think, um, I remember one time just, I was in a time of prayer and I was just like, Lord, how do I grow in hunger for you? And I felt like he said, well, how do you grow in hunger usually? And I was like, wow. well, I don't eat. And he's like, well, that's, he's like, do the same thing. He's like, and it will grow your hunger spiritually. And, um, so one of the things that I, uh, I do, and I took this from, uh, from, um, I want to say Jonathan words, but not John Wesley, but, um, he used to fast. He used to fast like two full days every week. Like you weren't even actually allowed to be a Methodist minister unless you fasted two days a week. Um, but I, uh, I usually will fast like at least one day a week. Um, and that recurring theme has, has really helped like keep my, my love for the Lord hot. But if there's a time where I'm like, man, I really feel cold and separate from the Lord. And I don't feel that closeness. Um, I'll fast. And it's so interesting. Like even as I was doing a study on fasting a couple of years ago, almost every time, um, that people have a, a very, um, like profound, uh, like encounter with either the Lord or, um, with the angelic in the Bible is in a time of fasting, whether it's Daniel or it's Paul or it's Peter or it's Jesus, you know, is in the middle of a fast yeah. when, you know, Satan shows up at the door, like, uh, Moses, like what, whatever the case, almost every single one of these places of a like really profound encounter with God is, uh, on the, in the middle of, or on the other side of fasting. And I think I started just, I more so started discovering that when some of the most profound, just like spiritual encounters in my life that I've ever had, I was in this season of fasting and I was like, God, like, like this keeps like these things keep happening, like in the middle of these fasts, like what is going on? And, um, and just all these places in the word started to hit me up. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like over and over that's the case. And so, um, that's really one of the biggest things that I'll do to increase that fervency. Cause it, it almost feels like there is a, when we fast, there's a stripping away of our flesh that allows our spirit to be more in tune with the Holy spirit and with mm-hmm. what's going on just in the spiritual realm of, uh, you know, it's so often when I'm fasting, I'm reminded of the fact uh, it just becomes so much more real to me that we're, we're in a war. Like yeah. there is an adversary, like the devil <laughs> roaming around seeking whom he may devour, you know, the, your adversary, the devil, like who is coming against us. And it's like that we forget that, like, I mean, we are in the middle of a war here. And um, so those would, I, I would say would be the two big things of, I, I guess three big things. I don't overanalyze the feelings. Um, I, uh, meditate and, and hold on to that, that promise from the Lord that I will find him if I seek him with all my heart. And then fasting is a big, those probably the main things. No, I love it, bro. I, I think 
as you share about the heart thing, I realize seeking him with all my heart means sometimes my heart is tired. Sometimes my heart is yeah. all over the place. But yeah. even in that, I'm supposed to go with all my heart. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't deter me or deter him from 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 finding me when I seek him in that way. But but I, I love even what you're saying even about fasting, just because it's a call to spiritual disciplines, you know, which is once again, not legalism, but like literal things that, that help set us up to walk the, the life and fight, fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. And, and I think especially in a time where people are more interested in the vibe or, you know, <laughs> the, the journey or, or whatever, I think we forget the literal things that it says in the Bible of yes. Jesus calling us to fast, you know, yeah. um, I love it, bro. I think we should just do one podcast in the future about spiritual disciplines and yeah. and the values it has. Because I think yeah. along with the message of consecration, I think that's so lost on a generation as well. Mm-hmm. Bro, totally. I'm like, I think, I think that's one of the biggest things from the life of Jesus that, um, you know, we look at his life and he was so led by the spirit that sometimes it, it like we look at his life and it's like, it just seems like it was all over the place. Right. Of like, he was all, was he always late to stuff? You know, he's showing up late to, to funerals and then raising people from the dead and like back and forth and all these things. And it's like, you know, Jesus was never in a hurry. Um, and he was, you know, constantly not meeting people's expectations about like, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. But what I do love is it says that as was his custom, as often as possible, he would withdraw to out of the way places to pray. And it's like, as was his custom. So this wasn't like randomly, Jesus would just go get up super early in the morning and go pray or like go pray all night. Like the gospel writers are like, no, this was, it would be unusual if he didn't do that. Yeah. And so it was like, I think we can look at his life and be like, see how like, you know, almost uh, like all over the place, Jesus life was, you know, that's, that's what it looks like to be led by the spirit. And I'm like, yes, sometimes, but sometimes being led by the spirit means having a custom of Mm. continually seeking God on a regular basis to where if you didn't do it that day, everybody'd be like, what's wrong? Like what's going on? You know? No, that's so good, bro. I I think, yeah, I think we live in a day where people's spirituality is defined by what their favorite pastor is saying on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of going and, and hearing from the Lord and seeking him for yourself. But I think it is, like you said earlier on of, man, we need to find him for ourselves. Like we got to be drawn to, we got to experience the joy of, of, of that place of just being with the Lord and no one else is there, you know? And um, it's interesting how it works where it's that rhythm, but it's, even in corporate settings that just adds to that. It's just rhythm. But um, I know our time is, is wrapping up. We, we definitely got to continue this conversation, but um, you know, one, another thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap up is I know, I know you're a man that wants to see revival. And uh, you know, that, I think that's why we, we click so well. Uh, yeah. I know you shared on your Instagram, a gift that your wife got you. And I was mad jealous of the time magazine <laughs> cover. Of yeah. The Jesus Revolution. Um, you know, the Jesus people movement, Lonnie Frisbee. So I know yeah. you're a man that, that, that burns for revival. And, um, 
you know, how would you define revival? I know you talked about revival mm-hmm. in the church, awakening in America. I mean, the call that you are, you know, pushing on a generation for consecration, it's not even on the world, right? And we're not even trying to yeah. tell sinners to, it's like, yo, yeah. Christians, yes. <laughs> let's consecrate <laughs> ourselves first, you know? Yes. But you know, how would you yourself define revival? Man, I thought about that so much recently because I think there's so many different definitions, right, of of revival. And, you know, some people are like, you set up a tent in the, in a field <laughs> and that's revival. You know, it's like, you know, I think when in just like studying moves of God in the past, I I would say the thing that seems to truly define revival and I, Duncan Campbell put it this way, who was the primary leader for the Hebrides revival that happened in the early 1900s. And he just said, people became God conscious. And, you know, in Hebrides revival, there would be people out in the fields, like plowing a field and they would fall down on their knees and start repenting and get, and just going, I've got to get to the nearest church. And people would be in the middle of the bars, like, and, and they would be trying to take a drink and like, they can't. And and they're like, I just got to get to the closest church to find out what I'm supposed to do. Right. Cause like, there's still the the obligation on us as believers to preach the gospel. Like, and so they're like, I just got to find out what I'm supposed to do. I got to find out like, you know, how do I get clean? And, you know, what's interesting about that though, is I feel like while revival like that leads to mass repentance, usually in like from those who were in the world, it's almost always preceded by um, some consecrated people somewhere um, where it's, it's preceded by uh, prayer um, and just radical prayer and, and, and laying hold of God um, that spills over into that. But it's this place of, of, this God consciousness and uh, there's normally a, an exponential level of signs and wonders in the midst of that. And I think part of why I feel like this message of consecration is so important to revival specifically is I feel like the church in America has been praying for a move of God. You know, a lot of our worship songs and, you know, it's, we're praying for revival, you know, we're praying for the Holy spirit to break in or break out or what, you know, whatever that looks like. And, um, you know, I keep thinking in the season of, uh, in the book of Acts where, you know, revival is taking place. Like it, you know, signs and wonders are happening. Uh, the disciples are multiplying, you know, people are coming to Christ by the thousands. And in the midst of that, um, the husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira lie to the Holy spirit and drop dead. Mm. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is necessarily the Holy spirit, but I believe that this is my sense from the Holy spirit that I think there is, um, there's a limitation to what God is, is willing to pour out in America almost for our own safety. Um, because I think if he poured out what it is that we're asking for, uh, it wouldn't be safe for mm-hmm. a lot of us. Um, cause I think we like to think of God as being dangerous to approach in the old Testament and safe and kind and cuddly in the new Testament. And I'm like, he did not change. His holiness didn't change. And I, I love the way, you know, to quote C.S. Lewis again, where he is speaking in, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, he's talking about Aslan and they're like, like, is he a tame lion? Is he safe? And he goes, no, he's not safe. 
but he's good. Mm. And I think we have in this crying out for revival, if we don't realize that we have to get gripped by the fear of God, mm. of his holiness and of who he actually is. And he has not changed. Um, Cause that's a very, it's a new Testament example of people lying to the Holy spirit in the midst of an outpouring of the Holy spirit and they drop dead. Mm. And I'm like, I think um, if we don't consecrate ourselves and set ourselves apart um, to prepare ourselves to receive a move of God, um, I don't think the, the Lord is going to allow it because I honestly don't think it would be safe. No. Um, and so that doesn't really define revival too much, but I think it's that it's that God consciousness. It's yeah. that we know that there's the the omnipresence of God, but it's like that manifest presence of God, I feel like is really what marks revival beyond anything else to where in, in God's presence, like Isaiah, he's, he's gripped by his sin and mm. the sin of his people and, and to repent and, and people are cut to the heart and there's a love for Jesus and which leads to the gospel getting out to people and uh, a love for the, the poor and the oppressed and the hurting. Um, but I would, that's kind of how I would define it, I guess, in very broad strokes. No, I love it, bro. I think like you've been saying, it's hard to find revival throughout history that hasn't been attached to repentance. Yeah. And, and repentance as in going back. Yeah. And, and I think that going back is that call to holiness, you know, yeah. that you're championing in this hour. It's, it's not repent or else you're going to be punished, but repent so that you could be filled yeah. and be, be, be prepared for what's to come. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we could just go for like another like three hours just going <laughs> back and forth. And that's where we're going to have a seven part series right now. But yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really felt like last year it was God pouring out or wanting to pour out. But I felt like it was God pouring new wine into old wine skin. And Jesus says, if that happens, mm-hmm. it, it rips. And I think what we've experienced was a lot of, ripping and tearing of a lot of different things, right? Even when it comes yeah. to church and culture, um, even leaders, like, you know, they don't have, they couldn't steward whatever God had placed on their lives uh, yeah. without that consecration. But I, I really want to believe that that call to holiness and, and consecration, it's not a new thing, but it's new in this hour. Yeah. And, and I really believe that's the new wineskin. You know, for what God wants to pour out is is His people consecrating themselves uh, mm-hmm. to be filled, and it's not comfortable. That's what Jesus yeah. tells us, right? But yeah, um, could you share with people one more time about the event, the consecrate, yeah. and 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 who it's for, and and what yeah. to expect? Yeah, absolutely. So the event's happening in Dallas on October fifteenth and sixteenth. Um, it's really geared towards like college age. Um, but you know, if I want to get a bunch of high school students there, honestly, like get especially like upperclassmen, high school students. Mm. And, and then, you know, if you're like, we're aiming for that 18 to 25 range, but if you're on the other side of that, you know, we'd still love to have you there. Um, and really the, what it'll look like is it'll be that Friday night, October 15th, um, and all day Saturday and, it will be really like a conference format um, mixed with a few different elements of, of what it will look like, but really um, 
just believing that it will be a launching point for what the Lord wants to do over the next year and a half or so. Um, and it, really what I'm praying is Lord, would it just be one giant living sacrifice to wow. Jesus of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of lives just coming together to say, Lord, we, you know, let it be a sweet smelling aroma to you of, of our lives laid on the altar before you. And, um, but yeah, as far as like registration goes, it's completely free. So just the Lord is so provided for that to where anybody who wants to come can come for free. So if you're like, man, I don't want to have to pay for a ticket and then, you know, fly somewhere or drive there or whatever, if you, um, we wanted to make it so that, you know, just get there and you can, you can be there. So you can register on our website. It's just consecrate 2021.com. Um, and you can register on there. And uh, you can kind of keep up to date with what we're doing on our Instagram page as well. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Completely free, open to youth, young adults, college students. And uh, if you're on the other side, you can come too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard yeah. from the man himself. Um, you guys have, you guys are going to have worship, different speakers. Um, yeah. All of that's on the website, right? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. So there's going to be some amazing speakers already out there, but. Um, I really believe that God's going to mark a generation. He's marking a generation. I think that's why it's hap- this event is happening and, and the miracles are happening. The doors are opening. Uh, how can people connect with you, bro? Yeah. I mean, best way to kind of keep up with what we're doing is probably just through either our Instagram page or my Instagram page. Um, I'm not super active on social media, so it might be kind of a boring follow. But uh, if you want to keep up with what we're doing, um, the consecrate Instagram is probably the best way to kind of keep up for sure. So we'll, we'll have all the links available for you guys to check out the conference coming up. Um, uh, the movement, you know, I want to say it's a movement. Um, it's a call. Um, it's, it's the, the needed message of the hour as well as Luke's stuff as well. Um, but yeah, bro, uh, I'll pray for us to close. You already prayed for us, but I want to just pray for you. I want to pray for consecrate. I pray for everyone who listens. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for uh, my brother Luke once again. I thank you for the message that you have uh, branded him with in this hour for consecration and holiness, God. But I thank you, Lord, that he's not the only one. I thank you that there's a generation rising uh, that's catching it as well uh, because it's needed in this moment in time. It's needed in our nation. It's needed in our generation, God. It's what you are doing Uh, So we just say yes. I just pray for all the listeners right now that they would get a glimpse of Jesus and the worthiness of who you are and that the natural response is consecration. How can we not consecrate? Uh, Because we want more of him. So, Lord, I just thank you for the favor and the miracles um, that are already taking place for um, that weekend in October the 15th and 16th. But I just pray that it would be a turning point in so many ways. Uh, so, Lord, do whatever you need to do um, to set it up. Do whatever you need to do there and after. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, bro. Thank you so much for sharing the story, sharing the message. And uh, we definitely got to do that seven-part series. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Love you, bro. Thank you so much for having me on. This was awesome. Yeah. It was an honor. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And um, check out the links if you're able to go, go, especially for our Texan 
Texan listeners, Texas listeners, uh, definitely check it out and uh, uh, head over to the conference. But much love, and we'll see you, see y'all on the next episode.